Tapes. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, this is Jeff Joyner. You might know me as Coaster Dad or Logan's Dad from Coaster Kids. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Tyler. I'm a Coaster Kids ambassador. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the Coaster, Coaster Challenge, Coaster Challenge Podcast. Podcast. I accept the Coaster Challenge. 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 Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? What is the Coaster Challenge? A group of regular people that went from fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses. It's time to take the Coaster Challenge with your hosts, David Cantu and J.D. Prescott. Hey, how's it going, JD? It's going great, David. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Happy June. Woo-hoo. Summer. Oh, yeah. So how's your week been? I've been on a country kick lately. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know you were into the country music type. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, dude, I got into country when my daughter was born. Oh, yeah? Oh. So what got you into the country music this week? I was just thinking about when I was a truck driver and some of the radio stations were nothing but country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm I'm big I'm big with country. I I listen to all kinds of music, but yeah, I I grew up with country music as well. So, but and we've got a well, today is a bonus episode for everybody today. Bonus so. episode? Oh yeah, we've got a special guest on that we wanted to get out immediately. Uh, we've got Austin, who is the founder of Amusement Insiders and also Behind the Thrills. Uh, he is standing by with Andrew today. It's such a real honor to have Austin on the show today. But first, let's do our segment, JD, the YouTube Highlight Clip, clip of, of the, the week. week. YouTube Clip of the Week. All right, so JD happened to found a... I figure since uh, we've got our special guests on today, we figure we'd do a special highlight YouTube clip. Something that we you found, JD, that I thought was pretty hilarious. Would you like to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, since, you know, it's... It, it, it involves dinosaurs. Oh, even better, because since uh, we got Andrew and Austin on later, uh, they're going to be definitely discussing Velocicoaster. What a good way to kick off our YouTube highlight by discussing something very special that involves dinosaurs. Well, actually, it's mostly, it's it's a Velociraptor. Of course. <laughs> Always. It's a photo op at Universal that you get to take a picture with a Velociraptor. Oh, is this the raptor encounter? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. I, I remember you you sent me the clip, and uh, it was the over at Universal's Islands of Adventure. The it was one. Of, it was from the YouTube channel from America's Funniest Home Videos. It was called Watch Them Scream Dinosaur Edition. Yeah, exactly. That's the video. If you haven't been to Universal Islands Adventure, pretty sure Universal Hollywood also has the raptor encounter. But there is a Velociraptor that sits in a over by a cage. And it's, and it's pen. In its pen, it's kind of busted open, and people stand in front of a Velociraptor to get their photograph, and the Velociraptor is fully animated. Yeah, it's, uh, as the trainer gets the guests to turn around and wave goodbye, the the, the, the raptor likes to, uh, lunge at the patrons. It's, oh, it's... he likes to have a lot of fun with them every time. There were, so in this video clip, there were some really, really hilarious moments where just people of all ages, uh, it, it's funny because especially like with little kids uh, that are getting their photos with their parents, you, you, the kids, you know, when you're very young, you think this is all real. Yes. But what was, I think the most hilarious one was uh, the family 
with a little little boy and or no no not the little boy it was a, it was a girl actually sitting in the middle the girl was in the middle mother to the left father to the right and then you got the velociraptor <laughs> literally up above their heads and uh all of a sudden the raptor sticks his head between the mom and dad and puts it puts his head right on top of the little girl and it looked like the raptor was going to scare the little girl when she turned around, but instead turned right to the mother, and the mother fell to the floor. <laughs> yeah, screaming. Uh, and they were showing a variety. Like, there was one with a little little boy, and uh, dad was holding him in his arms, and the, the raptor got between the dad's head and the boy's head, and almost the oh. boy was, like, heading down toward the ground. Uh, but, God, so many people, but uh, it's just so realistic, uh, the sounds of the raptor yes. when it's uh, speaking and roaring and just the people's reactions is just priceless. Oh, it is. It's it's universal, you know, flexing their, uh, their cinematic muscle at that one. Oh, yeah. I think that is a very brilliant thing that Universal has done, and I can't wait to get down to Universal Islands Adventure this October and see the Raptor encounter. I think that'd be really awesome. Yeah, well, uh, I was kind of, I was, I was hoping to get to go to Universal here in LA to try to uh, see if we had one of our own, if it's up and running since with COVID and everything. I believe it is. I believe it is. It's right next to the. Uh, Jurassic World. Jurassic World attraction. And uh, and I think you get to actually see Blue up front in person. So. Either Blue, Zulu, or any of the other ones. Yeah. But it was it, this is, was a really, if you really guys want a good good laugh, highly recommend you check out the America's Funniest Home Videos channel and just type in Watch Them Scream, Dinosaur Edition 2019. But until then, this would be our YouTube highlight clip, clip of, of the week. week. YouTube clip of the week. All right, so Andrew is standing by with our special guest today. Really looking forward to this interview, JD, because it's a real honor to have Austin from Amusement Insider on today. Because he has, him and Andrew have been riding Velocicoaster since its uh, its annual passholder preview. So they've got a lot to talk about on that. So take it away, Andrew. Thank you, David and JD. This is Andrew, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with a guest. Today, we're talking to a, a special uh, person, actually, within the community, a coaster enthusiast and a personal friend of mine here in Florida and at the parks all the time. His name is Austin, and you might know him better from the channel that he founded, Amusement Insider. He also owns Behind the Thrills. Welcome to the podcast, Austin. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Awesome. Glad to have you on the, on the show with us here. So um, I've already introduced you, talked a little bit about what you uh, are doing within the community. You got not just one, but two channels you uh, work on. If you want to go ahead and just tell the uh, Coaster Challenge podcast, the audience about yourself, please go ahead. Um, Yeah, my name is Austin and this is what I do now. So I, I like doing construction updates around the park. I like filming POVs. I try to bring fresh content, different content to YouTube and articles on Behind the Thrills. So anything that other people aren't doing, I'm trying to get that out there as best as possible. No Limits is a big one, which is a uh, computer program I use to make future POVs of rides. So Nice. Yeah, we're going to be talking about those later on for sure. Definitely. I'm very interested to take a little bit of a deep dive in there. But you were saying that this is what you do now. So this is this is your job. This is your life, as they say, right? You're not really working outside of the, of the industry. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. So I hope to, you know, start reviewing more, more frequent videos and more quality 
as, as awesome. we grow. And, and I just want to say, I love what Poster Challenge does. Great message, everything. David's uh, story is amazing. It's it's just awesome what you guys do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. So yeah. So, you know, obviously you're now working in the industry, which I think is amazing. You know, a lot of people try to do that. Uh, just like a lot of startup companies in the corporate world, they try to do whatever they're doing and they fail. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of enthusiasts and, and you know, uh, people with bright ideas, they try to get into YouTube and everything else and, 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 you know, make it big, if you will, or at least make it where they can support their lifestyle and their living, but not many succeed. So I think it's awesome. And, you know, of course I've known you for several years now and seen what you do and the quality of videos you make and the, the uh, future POVs that you do and which we'll talk about later. I think you're, it's really well-deserved that you're really, you know, you've got great trajectory on this. It's awesome. Thank you. Very absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. So we, we've already kind of hinted about kind of where you are now and you've got a couple channels and doing all these videos and, you know, traveling lots of parks, but we're going to take, uh, we're going to get in the time machine here. Let's kind of go to the beginning and then we'll move forward. So uh, and these are some questions that we usually ask all of our guests. And we're going to be getting into specific questions that I've tailored for you and your experience and what you do later on. But to start with, let's start off basics. So um, what was your first coaster you ever rode? Uh, the first one was Guazi and the first upside down one was Dueling Dragon's Fire. So both are gone, but uh, I'm pretty excited for Guazi because, you know, some of the structure is still there. So it's kind of like my first coaster is still there a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool because a lot of us, people that we've had on the show here, some of those first coasters don't exist anymore. So obviously, you know, a long time ago and whatnot. So how old were you when you rode Guazi? Oh, geez. Good question. I don't know. Uh, I would totally guess like third grade, whatever age okay. that would be. <laughs> yeah. So around eight years old, eight, nine years old. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And then Dra Dueling Dragons was one of your other first coasters. Wow. I mean, that's a legend in and of itself right there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I know yeah. you're a big Universal fan. You, you're from upstate New York originally. That's where you grew up, right? Yep. So up in between like Great Escape and Laurent. So pretty much the middle of nowhere. No major part. And I mean, you know, Guazi and Dueling Dragons, I rode that a year apart because I was scared at that time to go upside down. So that's sure. why Guazi was really the only one that I had gone on. Yeah. So I mean, my my love for coasters grew online because there was nothing like major around me. So it was just looking at pictures and, you know, forums because there was no real social media back then. So just coaster right. forums. Yep. I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and I guess, you know, being from the upstate New York and, you know, being cold up there, I'm guessing that um, uh, you and your family came down here to Florida a lot for vacations and spring breaks and stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah. I'd always beg to go to Universal Studios. It was like, I just wanted to live at like the Portofino Bay Hotel. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. That like that's that's a good goal right there. <laughs> Hashtag goals right there. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you and I had a similar kind of situation. My, me growing up in New Jersey, uh, you know, I was near Great Adventure, which is a great park. And I, that was my home park for years. First place I went on a, a, uh, an upside down coaster myself and conquered that fear. You know, we did come down to Florida a lot, Disney World. Never did Universal as a kid. Now looking back, which we had, did Hollywood, you know, on a vacation out to California, you know, did Disney World, I think we did SeaWorld once, but yeah, it's a similar kind of history there. So you mentioned yeah. that, yeah, you mentioned that you rode Dueling Dragons maybe a year after Quasi because, you know, we're scared of going upside down. And again, that's all common fear that we encounter with people in the podcast and something that David and I had that we conquered at different points in our lives and so forth. So, and maybe it's Dueling Dragons that you'd want to talk about in this, with this next question, or maybe not, but what coaster in your life has scared you the most again was it dueling dragons was it something else yeah i mean definitely at that point it would be dueling dragons if i thought of like one today that i've already ridden it would be skyrush just because it's very intense 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> Those wing seats sure. are very scary. But before I got on Skyrush, I wasn't scared. But I mean, yeah, dueling dragons for sure. That was like terrifying. I didn't want to get on the train at all. I mean, that's like a lot of inversions too. It's not like some people do like the Schwarzkopf at Bush Gardens, <laughs> which just has one loop. But uh, yeah, I guess I don't know. I went all out or or we didn't go to Bush Gardens that year or something. So I was kind of screwed and had to do had to do a bigger one. But yeah, I'm glad I did it. Of course. It was like the best right. thing ever. You don't even notice oh, yeah. that you go upside down. It's like after you do it, you're like, really? Like that's it. <laughs> yeah, I know Dragons was uh yeah, it was amazing. It's uh it was yeah. a, a legend, like I said earlier. Yeah, absolutely. So okay, so there's okay, so you've got either Dueling Dragons or or Skyrush. Now I've been on Dueling Dragons. I went on just a couple of years after the park opened when it was still dueling, but this is long before Potter. So and I've been on a couple times since before it was taken out. I've not been on Skyrush. Skyrush is one of my higher up on my list of bucket coasters for sure. You know, I love Intamin. So I'm very curious about that one. As you know, I'm a big Intamin lover. But, um, you know, I'm thinking of kind of wing coasters or wing light coasters. So you have not been to Magic Mountain? I have not. No, I really need to get out to California and try all those parks out for sure. You do. You do. I'm curious and you know, of course, we talk all the time, see each other all the time. I'm curious, once you get out there, uh, what you think of X2, because X2 is, we see it again and again, is what scares most of our guests the most. It's the number one, like, scariest coaster, understandably, mind you. Yeah, um, given good. Yeah, given the rotation on it, and given the first drop, and the way that works, you're facing down and all that, and going backwards up the lift hill. But but yeah, certainly Skyrush, that makes a lot of sense. So if we were to kind of take a little bit of a deep dive here and kind of this, this fear idea, would you say? that at the time when you were a kid dueling dragons scared you more versus how much Skyrush scared you as an adult going on the first time which one was scarier would you say overall oh yeah for sure Skyrush I'm like more scared of hurting my back <laughs> okay so it's so it's scary. Like, okay it's like a physical fear now like okay like hold my body upright like don't right. lay sideways so that your back just gets slanted and pulled in every direction <laughs> that's a totally different type of fear but right. yeah I mean dueling dragons was like like terrifying like I don't I don't want to get on the train fear so got it got it let's talk about that then so and, and by the way Skyrush you know Skyrush is like a number of coasters out there certainly wooden coasters and whatnot where you know you have to know how to ride it as an enthusiast like yeah, for example yeah. you know I know you've been before but uh I've never been to Hollywood World David has been but never to Hollywood Nights so of course I've never been to Hollywood Nights and as I've already shared with you you know David and I are going to be up there with Iva and a whole bunch of people you're going to be up there so we have all these friends we're going to be meeting up with probably doing a ride with here and there and stuff like that but you know I love wooden coasters we don't have really any good yeah. wooden coasters you know a little you know a couple here in Orlando but but nothing amazing so and I love them and so I'm excited to get on you know of course the voyage and even the Raven legend and I and I love wing coasters being on wing coasters I'm one of those weirdos I actually likes them I love launch coasters as you know so I'm excited to get on Thunderbird but you know certainly voyage I'm gonna I'm probably gonna be once there talking to you or other people, you know, how, do, how should I ride this? You know, I want to be able to get many rides in. I love these coasters, but I know it's going to be rough without the trim. So yeah, we, yeah. we learn how to ride coasters. That's not, I wouldn't call that a fear. That's just a, a preparation, but obviously understandably you would be afraid, you know, nine years old or so of dueling dragons. So let's, let's dive into that. So do you, do you remember it pretty well? Like, you know, before getting on things like that? Uh, not too much. I really remember after more. So, I mean, I remember oh, my parents okay. kind of being like, Oh, you'll like it. You'll like it. My sister telling me like, it's fine. It's not scary and stuff. And yeah, once you're off, it really wasn't scary. It was just fun. I mean, yeah, now it's, now okay. it's always fun. Right. Of course. Of course. So you were just talking about your sister, your parents. So 
was that basically what was going on as you were like in the queue approaching the station, a really cool queue for us that Dragon's had. I mean, were there any, do you yeah. remember any thoughts you had besides them kind of reassuring you before you got to the station? I really don't. I was too little. Just the reassurance okay. from them, which helped a ton, of course, because I got on the ride. So Okay. Yeah. And that's interesting right there, because again, we've interviewed a number of guests, short life this podcast has had so far. And most of the people, it's, you know, they're either they're being talked into it, like me, my friends, I was 17, when I first, one of my first looping coaches. Great American Screen Machine, the old Arrow Mega Loop for Great Adventure. And my friends were like, oh, come on, you're going to love it. It was, you know, they weren't being mean about it, but they were not being like comforting or supporting. You know, of course, your family, it sounds like yeah. it's kind of the ideal thing. They're like, it'll be okay. And, you know, they're, so they reassured you. So then you wrote it. And obviously, we know what happened. You loved it, obviously. But but talk about how things were after you got off of it, how you were feeling, what you're thinking. I mean, we went on immediately right again. And then it was probably like my parents regretted ever bringing me on it because it was like, okay, we're going to this park now and we're going to ride this like over and over and over. And, over. and they're like, okay, come on, hey, let's move along. And it, But no, it was like dueling dragons. Like, okay, now I have to do ice. And then it was like, okay, like I think I like fire more, like do it again. Let's do ice over again, figure out which one's better. And then right. the whole... I mean, like, yeah, Hulk was my favorite coaster back then. But yeah, it, it spiraled from there into just addiction of like everything. Yeah, just into like, they're like pieces of art. Like, I mean, after that trip, all it was was like daily looking at pictures of different roller coasters around the world. Right. So would you say that riding dragons, you know, those two times in a row real quick and conquering that fear, was that besides conquering your fear, which we'll probably talk a little more about here in a moment, but was it also... Maybe that was the day that you were born as a, as a coaster enthusiast, like the beginning of your coaster enthusiasm. You know, it was probably before Guazi. I don't know. It was always there. I was just scared okay. of going up and down. I mean, I really, I'm really into like the structure of it, the look of the track, like the heart lining, the oh, reason yeah. a certain turn is shaped a certain way. And then finally, once I got the courage to ride them, it really like enhanced all that because, you know, I could see how every little turn felt. Like, why right. is the overall different on Hulk versus Kumbo? Like, why is one better? Why is one worse? And all this stuff. And it, it's like never ending at this point. Like right, you can compare right. everything to everything. So Right. You, can, you finally kind of understood what you were seeing and how that corresponding to how it felt and how the experience was. Yeah. So, so it definitely right. started way before I ever wrote anything. But yeah, then it was enhanced so much once I finally got on a ride. So riding dragons, conquering your fear, I guess, so much create and be you being an enthusiast, but it allowed you to fully embrace being an enthusiast. Yes, for sure. Yep. Okay. Got it. Got it. That's powerful. That's powerful. I would have to say it's probably similar for me. I already liked going to parks when mm -hmm. I was 17 and rode uh, Great American Scream Machine for the first time. But, you know, like you were saying, I was there with my friends, it was a high school trip, senior year. And as soon as they took me on, that was the first ride of the day. They're like, yeah, let's get on this. I'm like, oh, oh my God. And I got off of it and I loved it. And I was like, I told my friends, I'm like, take me on every single looping coaster this park has that I had. Been yeah. On. So, <laughs> so I've been on the, at that point, it's like Rolling Thunder and Runaway Mine Train because. You know, those were the only non-inverting coasters that were there at the time. So, yeah, okay. so they um, did all the coasters there, Lightning Loops, which was Legends, you know, everything else. Oh, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Cool oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool credit. 
Full credit. Yeah. Both credits, you know, both sides of it. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> written. but anyway, so yeah, so you were able to fully embrace being an enthusiast and really embrace this hobby. So besides being able to kind of fully dive in and then of course, fast forward to what, you know, 20 years later, here we are with, with you having these multiple channels and all the success, which we'll, again, we'll talk more about later. So you conquered that fear. So besides being able to be, you know, become a, you know, really full-on enthusiast, was there any other ways that conquering that fear on dragons and, and facing that fear successfully. Did that have any other impacts on your life? Um, You know, I was too young, so I, I don't know. I'm not okay. sure. Okay, that's a fair answer. That's a fair answer. Looking beyond that fear, you know, obviously, you know, you've traveled all over the country and all over the world. I know you had a semester, or I think maybe it was a year abroad that you lived in the UK, right? It was a whole year. Yep, yep. Right. So you've been all over Europe, thanks to that, you know, and, and with, you know, trips and so forth, riding coasters, visiting parks, of course, all over the U.S., what, what's your coaster count at this point, by the way? It's right around 450, somewhere right in there. Right. That's pretty up there. So, you know, obviously you've, you've experienced all this stuff and spent a lot of time at parks. You know, I know you live right near Universal, of course, and, and you're there all the time. Uh, we were just talking about that before we start recording. Just in general, maybe not just fear, but just in general, what impact has coasters, theme parks, et cetera, and really embracing them as part of your daily life? What has that, how, how has that impacted your life in a positive way? The community that you meet people through the community. I mean, that's the positive that comes out of it. Uh, most of the community is extremely nice and very easy to talk to. They're, I mean, quite similar to you if they like this niche hobby so you always have something to talk about so that's definitely the most positive like impact just meeting people it's it's much easier to meet people sure sure that makes a lot of sense and you know as you know because you know we're we've known each other for a while now i'm really into coasters and theme parks i don't get them quite as much as you do because i do have a separate day job that doesn't relate to, to the community. So, you know, you're fortunate in that regard. But, you know, we, I've met a lot of people through you and, you know, and then vice versa. In fact, I think it was, you met Mark. I think it was because of me, because I think I had introduced you guys, or I, I forget how that all went down. Yeah, so yeah. I knew we were at first. IAPA yeah. and we ran into him. So that was, and yeah, you knew, you knew him. So, right. Yeah. That's he's, what I he's thought one of so. my good friends now. So, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, that's another thing. Just everyone, everyone knows somebody else that likes roller coasters. So, you know, once you start talking to someone, you really get introduced to other people and you can find a nice group of group of people. Yep. It's almost viral. And yeah, yeah. For example, like, yep. again, I don't live as close to the park studio. I'm about 45 minutes from Universal, but you know, I go there with you and of course, Mark and Caitlin, we've got, you know, we've got a group and you know, there's other, all these people are coming to town that, that you're, you're, uh, you know, and hang out with. And yeah, it's great meeting all these people. And I was just talking to Tyler the other day, he was down in Miami and he, he was flipping out over Velocicoaster and, oh, and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. So you've yeah. been having fun chatting about that. Yeah. Um, like single rider lines. I mean, I go to the park alone pretty often. They're yeah. like the best place to meet people. It's amazing if you just turn around and say like, Hey, where are you visiting from? I, I mean, yeah, I don't even know one out of five times. They're like a coaster enthusiast and you just talk and there's times where you'll just hang out the rest of the day. And it's, it's great. Like it's, it's easy to meet people when you're in the environment that you love. So absolutely. That's a great statement. I, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've had stories like that. One of my favorite I've, I've talked about on this podcast, other episodes before when I was in China, uh, just over two years ago, and my second day, my last day of my trip at Shanghai Disney, and I was marathoning Tron and there's no single rider line, you know, at least it wasn't, they have one, it wasn't open then, it was on the regular line, but I happened to be right behind this uh, father and son, we just started talking and it turns out that they're big time enthusiasts that travel all over the world. And yeah. uh, their names are Chuck and, Chuck and Chase, actually chasing coasters on Instagram. If you know him, follow him. Uh, and we hung out the rest of the day, did 
Tron a bunch of times, did Pirates, uh, just hung out, and, we, and we're still friends to this day. In fact, we had Chuck on the podcast uh, a month or so ago uh, as uh, interviewing him. So yeah, friendships can be born when, uh, you know, when you're involved in a hobby and you have a passion, you know, you can meet, you know, when you meet people with that same passion, you know, it's, it's a great way to start a friendship. And I've had this yeah. with coasters and theme parks. I've had this with, with cars, sports cars, I've been part of sports car clubs and events and yeah, it's the same thing. So in fact, those oftentimes yeah. kind of converge and intersect with each other because I love cars because I love sports cars, fast cars that accelerate fast and that handle well. Well, coasters are about, you know, going to going up to speed quickly, like a launch coaster or using a lift hill to get a lot of speeds shortly thereafter. And of course, the elements of coasters, there are lots about handling and turns and there's a lot of commonality. I know you're into cars yourself, so, you know, relate. Yeah. But yeah, so it's a great way to meet friends and that can be very impactful. So I'm glad. And, and like you said, most of the people uh, in the community are really nice. And that's the same as I've experienced. I've met a lot of people in the community, both here in Florida, you know, yourself, personal friends I hang out with, as well as people from afar that I might occasionally meet up when they come here to Florida or at events. And I think most people are great in, in that regard. And I, I love it. And I cherish that. And I'm interacting all the time. So I'm glad you've had that positive, positive experience. So is there anything else you can think of that where, where this hobby and being involved and immersed in this has been an impactful on you? Or is it mainly just kind of the friendships and the social aspect? Um, I mean, you really get to learn about different cultures, just if you if you're able to travel to other countries, if you're traveling in the US, I mean, I, I, I can't believe I'm like lucky enough to be able to travel to some of these places, even in the US, just going to like Texas is, is so much fun. It's it's a different place, you get different food. I mean, you really go for the theme parks, but then you know, they eventually close at night, and you get to see a new city and just try the food and see the sites. So, I mean, that's that's life changing just to be able to see different areas of the country. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And as you know, I've traveled a lot internationally and all over the U.S. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah, whenever I travel, like when I went to China, I was there for work and I spent, what, four or five days at parks. But I didn't just go to parks. You know, like you said, you got to eat. I did some yeah. sightseeing, went to the Great Wall. I went to uh, Shanghai Tower and the, the Oriental Pearl, all these landmarks. I love tall buildings and immersing myself in the culture, going to Tiananmen Square. You know, I've been all over in the Middle East, Asia, Europe, and done similar things. So yeah, I agree. We've talked about, of course, on this show, it's a, it's a big thing is when you're a coaster enthusiast, you're going to travel. It's travel's part of, of being an enthusiast. You're not just going to go to your home park all the time. And with the travel, I'm glad you brought that up is, and, I, and something I would like to you know point out to our audience, you know, we have a lot of young listeners. We've talked to our listeners, especially younger ones, about what kind of career paths you might want to take to help you travel for work as I have so that you can get on, get to parks and coasters a little more economically, have more opportunities yeah. to get on them and get to them. Yeah. Uh, but another thing is, is, you know, I would want to mention to our listeners is, you know, yeah, we're all hobbyists. We all love coasters and theme parks. We do our counts. We're doing rerides and marathons and yeah, it's super fun. But don't forget about the rest of the stuff, especially when you're traveling, you know, go see the local sites, go to restaurants outside the park, take a little bit of time. And you'll really like, like Austin said, it's about the culture. You get to experience so much more culture that way. It's not just the park. So I'm glad to hear that with all your travels, you appreciated that the local food and, you know, everything else. That's awesome. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you run into parks randomly closing all the time last minute, especially in the USA. And, you know, that's like the biggest downer ever, but they always turn out to be like some of the best days because you're doing stuff that you never would have done otherwise. So, right. 
Right, based on the schedule kind of forcing that, absolutely. Yep. Sure. Okay, great. Well, what I'd like to do now for the second half of the interview, and this is the part that I, especially with you, I was really looking forward to for a couple of reasons, is uh, we're going to talk about some of the kind of specific things that you've gotten involved with in more recent years as a, an enthusiast and having channels and creating your channels and creating your brand, really, especially with Amusement Insider. One of the things that you've done that you and I have talked about at length, because I'm fascinated by it, and I, quite frankly, I, I admire it, and it's so I'm so curious about it, is your concept POVs, your future coaster POVs. I know that yep. those have been a real standout on YouTube. I was just looking, I don't know how often you check your stats and so forth, but you know, you've know, you had been very successful with them. And I, it looks like the one that's been most successful, not surprisingly, is the Velocicoaster one, which is almost at a million views now. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. It's doing great. And that's super happy to see that. That's incredible. Yeah. You should be proud of that. You were I mean, rightly deserved. Let's talk about this, this part of the, of the work that you do in the industry, you know, as a hobbyist. So what drove you to start creating these POVs? What was your first one? My first one was actually 10 years ago. It was T-Express at Everland. And it probably wasn't the most accurate thing ever. But yeah, I don't know. I just kind of went back to that idea after I saw, I'm trying to think what the next one was after that. I, I don't know. I saw, I saw another coaster though with supports being built. You know, it was just aerials from Twitter. And then I was like, oh, that would be kind of fun to just, you know, make in no limits and just, you know, put the track where it would be because all the supports are already there. You can see how it's banked. You can do it to scale if you use Google Maps. And yeah, it just started from there. That one did well. And then it just kind of became the most popular thing that I'm known for now. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Right. But yeah, yeah they, right, take, so. they take hundreds of hours and sometimes I get annoyed with them. But <laughs> why do you just, get annoyed with them? Why do you get annoyed with them? You know, like one little piece isn't shaped right and stuff. You know, I mentioned earlier, like I love looking at turns and how they're shaped. So, you know, like one little turn after I spend three hours on it, I get like so frustrated. <laughs> right. But, it's a lot. Of, yeah. A lot of detail. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's fun to see the right. outcome in the end. So, so 10 and years then talk ago about it with other people as well. Oh, sure. Sure. Of course. So 10 years ago with the T express, you said, yep. yeah. Yeah. Everland. So, so you, yeah. Right. Oh, right. Right. So you started this kind of just for fun because, you, you know, you saw like, oh, this would be cool to do and studying the supports, the, the maps, the satellite maps and whatnot, so that you could, you know, just kind of it was a curiosity that you kind of just went with. Yep. Yep. Now, do you remember how long it took you to do that first one at T-Express? Did you keep track of your hours? Do you have an estimate? Oh, that one, I don't know. Probably 30 hours. 40 hours. Okay. And then would you say, I'm going to guess it's either Hagrid's or Velocicoaster is the one that you spent the most time on. Which one of those? Is the most? Yeah, definitely Velocicoaster. Hagrid's was more of, you know, another thing that was just fun. Um, I wasn't going right. for super accuracy, but then it kind of just took off and I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> but right. yeah, Velocicoaster, I, I really tried to get that one as accurate as possible. Um, I for mean, sure. even the track link, I... I, it should be very accurate. I haven't looked at stats yet and stuff, but yeah, I mean, I, I was using like topographical maps to get the terrain, the right level and the top height, the top hat correct. I had the, I had the drop from the top hat, like spot on before it was built. I just luckily got it. Wow. So yeah, it was, uh, that one was a, that one was a big project. Like, I don't even imagine the hundreds of hours I put in that one. But again, it was just that one. I was like having a lot of fun on because Velocicoaster is in my backyard now. So I could go look at it like every day. And then yeah. at night, I would just open the computer and see what I could do with it. Right, right. Yeah. And you're lucky to have it right there in your backyard. We'll, we'll be talking more about Velocicoaster specifically, uh, probably towards the uh, at kind of the end of this interview. But before we get there, so you've, you've kind of shared kind of 
how you go through and do this, um, things you look at and you clearly, clearly have a keen eye for things and be able to take, you know, somewhat, somewhat abstract things like footers and supports and then take them to the next level of what they're going to look like with a track on them. And again, you clearly do a great job with that in terms of the accuracy and, and whatnot. So, you know, I said hundreds of hours, for example, for Velocicoaster, but, but one way to look at it is the amount of time spent, but also obviously you're not doing it 24 seven. So let's look at it this way. When do you think you first started working on Velocicoaster POV? That would be January, 2019. Yeah. So, so right like when you moved to Florida. Ago. Yeah. Right. Ago. That was right when you moved here, basically. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Nice. You know, the rumors came out, Alicia Stella with Theme Park Stop. The first like, day she posted something, I was like, okay, I'll start like a very rough thing. And then once, you know, it actually, once you can actually see the groundwork going into place in the real world, I put out like a first version with, you know, like there was no supports or anything. So there were, I don't know, probably five wrong elements in it and the scale was a little <laughs> off. But um, yeah, the, the second version was, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with how the second version and final version came out. The track work wasn't even done. I mean, so it's, oh yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I messaged you the other day and that was mainly in preparation for this interview we're doing today to ask, you know, is the version that's on YouTube and I think you haven't seen the link, uh, is that the latest one? And, and I, I know you've done a little tweaks to it here and there, but you know, that one has existed basically in its current form for, for what, a, a year now or so? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. I think it's been around a year. So yeah, it aged yeah. well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I remember, you know, going back to like, you see, just started working on the Velocicoaster future POV back in January of 2019. And that was right around the time that you and I first met person, you had moved here to Florida, where of course I had already been living. And I remember the first time we met up, surprise, surprise, we met at Universal, of course. And I remember walking around yeah, the parks, yeah. talking about different things, talking about the future, you know, talking about, you know, um, what could be next with with hadn't been named yet but epic universe was just rumored at that point how they might yeah. connect the parks when we're talking about that and kind of find the sky but remember you and i talking about we didn't know it was gonna be called velocicoaster but the jurassic coaster as we referred to it then and, and yep. so yeah that's when you got started so in a way you got started even before universal started doing anything physically in jurassic park to create yeah. the coaster yeah pretty much i think like a big like what do you call them trash receptacle or whatever those big trailers are got like wheeled in and that was like that's the first thing i remember and i i was already working on it so wow yeah wow. i i can't believe it was that long ago it's amazing how much work they did and like shout out to that team holy cow like what they did with that ride is unbelievable there's there's oh, no yeah. ride in the world that like has the theming and like the, the excitement and the length like they went all out it's really awesome yeah we're, we're and we'll talk about that yeah we're, let's we're definitely gonna be talking about that and i i have very strong superlatives myself as you already know about the ride and all of our listeners at this point know because we've already been talking on the podcast and did a live stream about it and released episodes about it but but uh but let's let's talk a little bit more about the povs here for a moment before we, we dive into that topic which will be exciting you know i've seen other enthusiasts, friends and whatnot, have fun with No Limits 2 or Planet Coaster and things like that and create, you know, whether it be their own rides, but, you know, more appropriately for this conversation, you know, try to imagine what a future ride is going to look like. And, and oftentimes what I see is it's just, you know, it's rails, you know, it's, it's literally the supports, the track and some trains running on it, but no theming, no nothing. But, and this is, you know, again, you have really impressed not just myself, but literally, well, apparently hundreds of thousands of people, you know, well, the, all these views you get with the detail work you put in, but it's not just the track and the accuracy of that. It's not just, you know, the layout of the coaster. You go really all out with the theming and that's both visually 
like with the rock work and landscaping, you know, some of the trying to imagine what some of the effects might be for for like Velocicoaster Hagrids, but also the music. So like so talk about that, how you really kind of plus up and really make it a full featured future POV. Yeah, I mean the music's super important. I find key elements throughout the ride. So I would say like the top hat, the stall, uh, the final heartline roll, and maybe like the second launch. And I mean, the music will take weeks to find, but I will line up those specific moments with certain moments in the song. And then it's kind of just trial and error. Like it works with one element really, really well. And then you listen to the rest of the song and you hope that it fits in with the other elements. I mean, it, it takes a long time, but yeah, that's all it is. It's a lot of listening to a ton of music like all day finding one you like and then matching the big moments of the song to the big elements of the ride and just hopefully getting lucky eventually and you yeah. know tweaking the speed of certain parts of the song and stuff but yeah i was happy with how that music came out so thanks for mentioning that and then oh, google sketchup is the is the 3ds so just google sketchup uh 3d program which i'm slowly getting better at but sometimes i get help from others so nice that's how you do your the theming and add, kind of putting that in that yep. beyond the track yeah got it got it very cool yeah i mean you know i've talked about music quite a bit and uh you know we've shared different kind of music with each other and you know i'm, I'm thankful for you just like the first day, i think it was the first day we met or even before we met you told me about Emascore, and uh, that's one of my kind of go-to uh, composers slash kind of playlists that I have in my Apple Music. And like when I love listening to instrumental music when I work, you know, cinematic scores from films, you know, stuff, Emascore, other kind of artists, art, instrumental artists like that. And Emascore, by the way, for our audience, I am a score, it's all one word. They're a composition team out of Europe, and they specialize in theme park composition. They've done scores for lands, for, for rides, especially in Europe and beyond. And Austin was the one that introduced me to them. And I remember Austin watching, uh, I guess it was like a year ago, in that kind of second version of the Velocicoaster POV. And you've got the kind of, when it starts off, you've got the Jurassic Park, John Williams, amazing music kind of playing there a little bit. But then you kind of fold it into this other beautiful soundtrack. And I remember asking yeah. you, what, nine months ago, whenever it was, like, Austin, what is that? And you told me it was Emascore, score, but a special thing that I didn't have yet. And I had to get it and you helped me find it. And I, it's so, it's so, it's music that's so inspiring. That's what I love about cinematic scores. It's very inspiring, emotional music. And I love, I never thought about it before, but I love that you go to the detail level of not just finding a song, but you match up the song with the ride, you know, pivotal moments and, and you know, kind of climax moments. That's just like how film scores work. That's really cool that you do that. And yeah. by the way, uh, by the way, listeners, I'll be sure to work with David uh, for when we release this episode, we'll be sure, certainly providing a link to Austin's Velocicoaster POV in the show notes so that you can all see if for, for the probably just few of you who haven't seen it yet, probably most of you have uh, to experience it. Make sure your sound is on when you play this POV. Certainly. And speaking of sound, so uh, Thank you. I know that, yeah, of course, of course. I know that your Hagrid's POV, we talked about that, that, and again, that was a little bit trickier, of course, because that's much more, there's much more theming potential for that ride. And there certainly is a decent amount of theming in the final ride. And you had to kind of imagine some of it. Remember, you even had voices that were similar to the characters in the movies, like Hagrid and I think Harry Potter. So how did you go about getting those voices in that POV? Yeah, that was, um, I just searched on YouTube for, a, you know, voice actors and just reached out to them. Um, YouTube's a great source. YouTubers like helping out other YouTubers, big and small. So it was nice. I, th I think they were a little bit bigger of a channel than me. It was really nice of them to help out. Nice. But yeah, 
I mean, that was fun. That was just kind of making up the storyline again. Like that's when, that's when I was really doing it for fun. And uh, right. of course I still do it for fun. I love it so much. Yeah. That, that one doesn't have the exact, you know, storyline and stuff, but right. Hagrid was, Hagrid was fun to make. Yeah. Just for the, the voice actors and stuff. Oh yeah. I bet. I thought that was a kind of a cool touch to it. So yeah. So I, I, I think it's awesome that, you know, speaking of kind of taking a 10,000 foot view here, with these, this work that you do, the labor of love that really is, is that, you know, you're an enthusiast, you love coasters and you're spending the hours upon hours on these POVs that are so well received by the community. I mean, for example, Hagrid's Velocity Coaster, they've been talked about on coaster radio, you know, main, mainline coaster podcasts, you know, it's, it's been shared and shared and shared as part of where the views come from. So you're really, you're doing this, you're, it's work that you're doing, it's your work literally, and it's something you love. And, you know, I don't know how, if you realize how fortunate you are in that regard, because a lot of us people in general, you know, we work and we make good money and we get good time off and, and it's fine. We have good days, but it's not necessarily something we're passionate about, but you doing something yeah. you're passionate about that's, and it shows in the final product. And it's so awesome. And again, listeners, you hear me talking about, you know, you've got to check out Austin's channel, you know, Amusement Insider and see all these POVs. And then again, there's what, I think there's like, what, a few dozen of them now from different coasters on your channel? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, a dozen or so, ten to twenty. A dozen, say. okay. But, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, you. I I can't believe like how fortunate I am that I'm doing this. It is hard. I don't make a lot of money at all, <laughs> but you know, like who cares? I'm doing what I love, so I can take like right. the little sacrifices to um, make it happen. And uh, I mean, if if you have like a small channel, I mean, I had a, a regular job like until a few months ago. Right. It was just to keep working on you know, your YouTube channel or whatever you do, or even just like Instagram and Twitter to just get your name out there. Or if you're starting a brand, your brand out there. And if you just work on it every night, you never know what it'll grow into. So, and it's fun. Sure. For sure, absolutely. Oh yeah. I know you've had some crazy hijinks and all your travels and you know, just like for me, all my travels for work, where I've gone to parks and all I've so many of my, yeah, my stories, you know, in life, when we meet people, part of friendships, relationships that we have is telling stories, talking about our lives, what we've done in the past and some of our favorite memories and some of our craziest memories. And so, you know, I think for me, you know, I'm guessing for you and a lot of people where we're enthusiasts, we travel so much is a lot of our stories relate to our travels to support our hobby. And, you know, yeah, so that's, that's all great and big fun. So, so tell me this. So whether it be Velocicoaster or any of the POVs, you you do the POVs and obviously you eventually ride the ride. That first ride are you, when you're riding it through, of course, you're, again, big time enthusiast like myself and David and so forth. You're enjoying that ride, of course. And like, oh my God, experiencing all the elements for the first time. But are you at all, when you're riding it, thinking about how that translates to your POV and how similar they are? Or is it more afterwards, you kind of reflecting on it? Yeah, the first ride, I'm like always like zoned in on what I got wrong because I'm like so nitpicky and have to be perfect. So right. like, yeah, the very first ride of Lost Coaster, I mean, like I can literally, I feel like the tiniest little like foot of track and I'm like, oh, that's like wrong. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like I got some recent comments and it was like, oh my God, this was like spot on accurate. Like after people have written it, like, right. Like in the past couple of days, people have commented it's like, whoa, like this is so accurate from a year ago. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't know. I have like the bottom of the image went wrong and I have like the mini single <laughs> wrong here. <laughs> it's not too accurate, but, but. I guess I just noticed that. I don't know. Right, right. And I'm assuming that, so so your your future POVs, they're 
probably one of the biggest draws with your channel and YouTube and so forth, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I'm guessing you're not stopping. You're still got plans. You're looking at what coasters are coming next and, you know, starting yeah, trying to get in early, stuff. right? You'll see something from Epic Universe. Oh, nice. Yeah, some some other things. Orlando area. Nice. Uh, yeah, Park Asterix has one. That one's still oh, far yeah, out. Like, I can't really figure out that layout. There's no info on it. You have to dig for talking, a lot of this info, and it's it's hard to find sometimes. But, but yeah, you're talking about the Insman one that's going to Park Asterix. Yeah, the layout kind of changed on that one, so I don't know yeah, what they're I'm, doing with that. I haven't looked in a while. I'm super excited about that one. I remember that was announced back at IAPA a couple of years ago, and. Yeah. Like just seeing the initial concept art for that. I'm like, you know, you know, again, all the quick switch track technology that Intamin has already been using. Hagrid's has that, for example, with the spike and the reverse element, you know, and they're doing it with Pantheon, et cetera. But that, that one at Park Asterix is like the Pantheon and steroids, it seems like. So I'm very, very interested to see what you come up with as you start to study it more and start to work on your, uh, your POV for that. That's really cool. It's time we talk about the uh, elephant, or I should say the Velociraptor that's in the room. Yeah. Uh, so you and I, again, we're both here in Florida. We both have ridden Velocicoaster multiple times. So I know that you you love it. I saw your uh, your uh, Twitter post from a couple of days ago that you're addicted to Velocicoaster, and uh, I totally get it. I am too. So you know, we've ridden it, for example, this week here with the annual Passel to Previews. Very fortunate for that. And by the way, just, just a quick kind of commentary park-wise, thank you, Universal, anyone that's from Universal that's listening, for, for doing that. I mean, you know, Disney and other parks, they don't always do previews for things, but in the, in the pandemic, it's not easy to do. And yeah, so I really moved my... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My my, I tip my hat to Universal for going through the effort to set up those signups. Again, they didn't work perfectly, and you know, and so forth. But I, I think they worked really well, and I know a lot of people that are able to ride this week and get these previews in, and, and all the buzz that that's creating. I mean, Universal did it for good reasons to help them and to make their guests happy, which is what it's all about. But uh, yeah, we're very fortunate. So, so you and I both have gotten to ride it, and of course, given that Velocicoaster is one of uh, one of the most thrilling coasters that you know a uh, park like universal or even a disney have ever made you know these are it's more like a uh, extreme thrill coaster like a six flags or cedar fair or independent park coaster but given that it's such an extreme coaster and given universal's uh keen attention to safety given the issues that happened with dra dragons over the years etc obviously this is one of those uh, one of now what it's now that i think the fourth or so ride at universal orlando that has the uh, metal detectors and the very strict requirements about uh, loose articles. So given yeah. that, and given how careful they're trying to be, obviously it's very hard for people to get POVs. And I'm, by the way, I'm very curious what's going to happen long-term with the bypass bridge, if they're going to be able to reopen it to the public when the ride's in motion, because the zero-g stall, which is hang time upside down for a couple of seconds, happens right over that bridge with no yeah. nets. So I'm yeah, curious. I think they do, uh, yeah. you know, trajectory tests on rides like that. Right. But yeah, of course, you know, everything's a different weight and you don't know what somebody has in their pocket. But yeah, I don't know about the bypass bridge. It's It was totally rebuilt. It will definitely be open at some point when the ride's running because they're going to use it as overflow, you know, during holidays and they're not just going right. to close the Velocicoaster. So I hope that it's a permanent pathway just for the views oh, but yeah. i don't know i've heard both i've asked around even on opening pass holder preview day and it was kind of you know either way they're not sure if it's going right. to be permanent or if it's just going to be holidays but the ride will run you know with people on the bridge so i don't think they're right. too concerned about anything you know being hit they did all those tests i'm sure so 
not right. I'm not too worried about that being the problem. But plus, I can tell you from my personal experience, I'm sure you've noticed things too, and in terms of how thorough they're being with the, with the checks, you know, at, at the metal yeah. detectors, and and also just them taught their people, you know, numerous team members at the locker area when you check into the lockers on the outside of the lockers where they're telling people, you know, put, even put your sunglasses away, you know, they're not, you know, they've got to go in the locker and, you know, things like that. So they're being really strict. And I think maybe a part of that is they're trying to prep ops to be able to be comfortable from quite frankly, a liability perspective to be able to have that yeah. press bridge open. So, and for people like you and I that, yeah, that love, you know, photography and videography and especially these coasters, you know, uh, and doing that with these coasters, you know, I'm really hoping that we get to do that because you and I, I remember you and I were there when they first reopened the bypass bridge, the new bypass bridge, what, a couple months ago, and we were excited, excited to hopefully see the train running. It never ran that day, but just getting that track right up and close, I got some really cool picks, as I'm sure you did. Um, yeah, it's an incredible and, pathway. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and our listeners who have not uh, been to Universal Orlando in the past couple months. You guys have no idea the visuals that you get with Velocicoaster through going throughout this land and some of the parts we can get really up and close and personal with the track and then uh, the, the kinetics of the coaster, especially at night, but even during the day, it's it's something else. It, I mean, Universal knocked it out of the park in that regard too. But okay, going beyond your, your POV, let's talk about reality. And again, you and I have ridden this coaster uh, you know, a couple times you have a coaster counter for 400 mine's in the three thirties and three thirty seven now. So we both run a lot of coasters. Tell me, I mean, my, our listeners have heard at length about my thoughts on this coaster. Cause we talked about it for about an hour plus on the, our recent live episode that we also released in our podcast feed, but let's hear, tell me Austin, what you think about Velocico. So you can talk about the queue, talk about the ride, the theming, just everything. Just give us your review of Velocicoaster. Um, I have like a full review video coming out tonight. So that'll be on YouTube when you listen to this. If you want to watch it, talk about it for like 10 minutes or something. It's really, really good. I, I can't wrap my head around the whole thing still because it's odd to have such a intense and big roller coaster in such a high caliber theme part. Right. Like, you know, the theming level is unmatched by anything except Fantasia land. I don't know. Just the amount of people that come to this theme park and see this, it's going to like change the industry probably, but yeah, it's an amazing ride. I, I could talk about it for like too long. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know where to start. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me too. It's really Me too. good. Yeah. 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 The elements are super original. It has some elements that surprised me. I, the second half is unbelievable. The trains yeah. are like very large. The whole ride feels super scaled down once you're on it, which is great. Mm. Like just because, you know, the Heartline is like so big on this ride because you're sitting so far off the track. You know, the Heartline right. being the roll point around around the track where the riders sit right yeah i've never i've never sat really so far off the track i don't think unless you're on like a dive coaster but sure that's a totally sure. different thing altogether as well i mean this is just two across and in your way off the track so yeah that's I think a good point. the first half the first half feels really weird because the trains feel very big for the area that all of that track is in but right. i don't know if it really hinders the experience it's tough to say <laughs> That's a good point. Well, yeah. Though. yeah, I mean, yeah. and I haven't even begun. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Actually, amazing. Like, it's top one percent ever for sure. I don't know exactly where to rank it, but definitely top five, possibly the best coaster. I just have to ride it more and 
think about it. Nice, nice. And you've not been. What do you think? You have? Well, I, I, have I, we'll, we'll get to, okay, I missed, I I missed so. Taryn by like a month. I was over there and I missed it. It wasn't open yet. So yeah, my friends, um, Larry and Gene, the ones that we we're talking about possibly meeting up with tomorrow at Universal. Um, they've been here all week. I had dinner with them last night. They've been on, oh God, their coaster counts way up there. Um, they've been on Taryn. They've been, of course, been on Steel Vengeance like yourself and now Velocicoaster. And they, they still need to process like you were talking about. They've only had a couple rides so far, but they, they're thinking Velocicoaster is above Terran for them, just just above it. Yeah, uh, basically there are so many yeah. people that question and oh me most too. Yeah. People have put Velocicoaster above Terran that I've talked to. But um yep. there are some that still say oh Terran's better. I think I personally think the theming on Terran looks way way better the area looks amazing on Terran oh yeah nothing yeah. against Universal like this area looks amazing too but Terran is like I mean above and beyond like incredible looking yep yep I agree all that theming is amazing I think maybe yeah. the what puts Velocicoaster above Terran is it also has that really great theming the rock work in the first half and so forth but then if you yeah. look at the layout of Velocicoaster that's where it goes above Terran yeah uh, it's more aggressive huge and it and, has yeah. Yeah. The most original elements. I mean, Terran's a lot of turns and overbanks and air. Right. Velocicoaster's just like, yeah, element after element. Yep. Yep. So just, to, and I know we're going to talk more about this here, obviously, because I, you know, you, you asked me what I thought and I have certainly some things to say, but so, so one of the things I want to talk about before we get more into Velocicoaster and Austin, I know you mentioned, you asked me kind of what I thought about it here, but before we get to that, I want to touch upon something you mentioned, which I think is really poignant and something that I've been talking about with countless friends recently and talking David's ear off about it. Um, and by the way, David and Iva from the channel, they're finally going to be coming here to uh, visit me slash visit all our parks here in October, late October this year. And I am so excited to be many things with them, but especially riding Velocicoaster. And hopefully that'll be the opportunity if we don't get to spend much time in Hollywood nights uh, in a month uh, with you, Austin, that you'll get to spend some time with David and, and Iva when they're here in October, yeah, we'll be spending yeah. at least a couple of days. Yeah. Universal. But anyway, so yeah. So one of the things I've been talking about that I've not heard a lot of people say that you said Austin, which I appreciate just a moment ago is how we have this crazy high thrill coaster at a park like universal. And, you know, I've spoken of, I spoke this, spoke of this in our live podcast recording that is now in our podcast podcast feed, excuse me. And I'll talk about it here with you, Austin. I think you and I have talked about this offline before. My my theme park spectrum theory. So think about a, a line and all theme parks fall somewhere on this line. And one of that line is your Disney parks, basically. They're the pinnacle where you have high theme, you know, high, high level of immersion, amazing theming, but the thrills are usually lower. Yep. And on the other side, directly opposed from that, you have, you know, your Six Flags, your Cedar Fairs, your, your mm -hmm. big coaster parts with much lower theming, but more high thrills. And typically, you know, Disney on that end, parks towards that end are more expensive to, for tickets, but they have, you know, a, a lot more to, to offer. They offer amazing dining experiences and nighttime spectaculars and just a, a high level of service, customer service, usually some of the best you get is at a Disney theme park. Where again, yeah. on the other end, Six Flags, Cedar Fair, you know, you're not going to be seeing much in terms of really high-end dining. Maybe here is some table service here and there. A lot of outside chains they bring in, like the Melt and Cedar Point, which is amazing, things like that. But again, it's not like Disney. Uh, but again, much less expensive to get in the parks. They charge a lot for their, uh, you know, their fast lane, their, their front of the line access. Whereas Disney don't charge anything or very little, you know, for like Max Pass in California when they were still offering that. So you have that whole spectrum. Well, what I think is most interesting about that spectrum is not the ends of it that I just described. It's what's in the middle and where parks lie in the middle. Now, I think right in the middle 
you have parks like like a SeaWorld or Busch Gardens or a Silver Dollar City or, or Dollywood, where they have thrill coasters, certainly, but they also have some decent theming. Their food's pretty good. They offer some good table service of their own, not just outside chains, and their prices are in the middle and so forth. Well, here's yep. where I think, yeah, here's what I think is interesting. And this is that you've heard me not talk about one particular park chain for, on purpose. In our recent live stream, we had some good discussion, and, and I, you and I have talked about this offline uh, Austin, because you're a big Universal fan like me, about you know Universal versus Disney right now. And again, I love both both chains, of course, both companies. Universal is firing on all cylinders. Even in this pandemic, they're opening new attractions. They've resumed Epic Universe construction. They're not holding back. They're really trying to push theme parks and, and, and engage their guests and bring guests in and build excitement. And not only that, but Universal that you know has evolved incredibly over the years perhaps even more than the near their theme park chain you know especially with comcast coming in and potter coming in they've really pushed for the high theme stuff i mean in certain ways universal orlando for example between diagon alley and hogsmeade they have some of the best theming in the world even better than a lot of disney stuff would you would you say austin yeah yeah i really think so, that diagon alley is is a level above Disney. Yep, yep. And and the great immersive rides, you know, some screens and so forth, of course, but a lot of great technology, like you and I were just talking, Austin, like Escape from Gringotts. It is such a complex and, and immersive ride in a way that there are so many different contractors that worked on it. Uh, Vacoma, I think you said, of course, yeah. Intamin, Dynamic. I mean, you know, it's just like so many different companies had to come together to make an attraction. We really want, really probably the, wor- the world's first true storytelling storytelling coaster you know uh, you know before hagrid's and of course gardens of the galaxy concert rewind and and so forth but but anyway so universal again they're high theming high quality great customer service team members have been amazing in my experience lately i've been in universal a lot great food you know really good food some good table service city walk etc and you know it's expensive like disney but what's happening also is universal is taking the feedback of their guests they don't want screen rides all the time and they're building these yeah. incredible coasters hagrid's velocicoaster uh in the epic universe i know you're gonna be working on some concept you know future POVs soon we know there's some really exciting coasters and immersive rides and some Maybe even the uh, next generation of the RoboCoaster technology, where even maybe going three dimensional, uh, the classic monsters attraction, and, and so forth. Yeah, yeah. And but you know, Universal is competing with both Disney and you know Six Flags and, and Cedar Fair in terms of their high thrills at the same time. It's like they're doing everything. Yeah, that's true. So they're appealing to a lot right now, for sure. Yeah, and I just, I mean, I am, you know, you live within a stone's throw, almost literally, you know, walking distance of Universal. So you're very close. I'm about 45 minutes drive, which is not bad at all from Universal. I'm there all the time. You're there basically every day. You know, we are so lucky, so very lucky to have parks like these, you know, in our yeah. backyards. Yeah, for sure. So, and I just, I just, you know, I think Universal is just amazing what they're doing and, and everything. So I just wanted to talk about that. And you know, like you said, it's so crazy to get a high thrill coaster like this at a park like Universal. We're really fortunate. So yeah. you asked me what I, you asked me what I thought about the ride. So I, and I've already talked about this in previous episodes, but just that we're having a conversation here. You know, I love the queue. I don't care. It's obvious to me that Universal Creative, they copied Tron in terms of the queue, in terms of entering the queue, and you've got the the videos, you know, walls, and then all of a sudden they go transparent in Tron's case, and you see the poster launch. Mm-hmm. Universal is the reverse, you know, it's, it's an open, transparent window. The the second boost launch, you see the train come through, and then you see the screens come up, you know, with the Velociraptors, Velociraptors, excuse me, chasing 
the coaster. Yeah. And that's great. And again, it's very Tron-like and it's awesome. It's amazing. And then the animatronics, those are some of the best close-up animatronics I've ever seen in that final room before the lockers, the level of detail yeah, they're, and the- They're yeah, amazing. Yeah, the articulation of those of those uh, velociraptors. Um, so the theming's great, you know, the in, in the queue and everything, great you know, music and the lights, the LEDs. Uh, and then as far as the, the coaster itself, I was just, I'm still, like you said, I'm still taking it all in, like you were saying, completely blown away. My expectations were, went well above my expectations of the actual ride. And I had high expectations because it's one thing, you know, you've been living this coaster more than anyone else before it opened with your POV, your concept POV. And, you know, myself not doing that, of course, but just, you know, I've been watched your POV many times and I've been at the parks watching you being built, watching them test it. But it's one thing to watch the coaster, even, even watch a POV of it that we now have. But to ride it, it's a whole different experience. Obviously, you're getting the forces. And yeah. I was not ready. And I mean this in a good way. And, you know, I remember, you know, riding with you and Mark and, and Kayla and everything and how you know, flabbergasted we were. For one thing, the pacing of this coaster is some of the best pacing I've ever seen in a coaster ever. It's just nonstop. It doesn't have any kind of lull moments or any, it, it, one of the worst things, and I talked about this the other night on the show here, is shame on you Six Flags and, and Premier, full throttle, full throttle, you know, the Skyrocket 3, as they call it, how it stops for that second launch. I mean, it's one of the worst things you could do with a coaster, with a multi-launch LSM. You know, it, it ruins the pacing. So lots of coasters yeah. doesn't have that, you know? And that second launch, it's just so powerful and awesome. The elements, I love, even though, you know, we get stapled in our seats, you know, everyone's getting stapled in their seats this week during previews, and I'm sure that's going to continue. And I was like, you know, I'm sure you thought the same thing that first time you wrote it, being stapled in, like, oh boy, there goes the airtime. Well, what's insane is as much as they staple you, they push down hard. You're flying all over the place. You're falling out of your seat left and right. So much lateral air, so much, you know, so much floater. And it's, yeah. and it's awesome. But, you know, those first couple of versions, like my favorite part of the first half of the ride is the dive loop. And it's mainly because because of the effect, it's not a vertical loop. It's an it's an angular, you know, biased yeah. loop, if you will. You're falling it's off a good to the element. left there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great element. Very, very good. Um, yeah. And then there's, again, some fun curves there after that. You know, there's, there's a little bit in the ride, a couple here and there, not as much as Hagrid's. Of one of my favorite, if you want to call it elements that Intamin does in their modern coasters, which is what I call the quick transition. I mean, Karen has a lot of this. Maverick has a lot of it where you're kind of bucking to the left and the right real quick. You know, Cheetah Hunt has it. So, you know, Philosopher has a little bit of that. But Philosopher really specializes in more wow elements in, in its layout. But anyway, after that first part, and I got to love the rock work and the theming, the water. You see that a couple of Velociraptor, uh, you know, statues and whatnot. Um, I love LSM launch coasters. Uh, Tron, for example, has a great first launch, even though it's a Disney coaster. Well, yeah. that first launch that takes you in that first half, you know, it's, it's a decent launch, nothing special, you know, it goes up to 50 miles an hour in a couple seconds. But yeah. going through, yeah, going through that second launch, you know, building up to that second half of the ride, which is my favorite overall, going through that second launch is, is just such a thrill. I mean, it's not the fastest launch in the world. No, uh, it's not a mm -hmm. catapult launch, but that it's a powerful launch. You, it's a forceful launch going from 40 to 70 in 2.4 seconds. It's, it's fun. And then what I love about it is you can tell how much work Intamin and perhaps Universal Creative working with them on the layout of this ride, how much thought they put into it. Because it's not just a launch to extend the ride that launch sets up that top hat in such an amazing way because yeah. you're coming out of that launch at 70 you with full force twist up in the top hat which feels great 
And with all that momentum behind you coming up at the top and popping out of your seat with that ejector, that's like one of the best top hats I've ever experienced. It's better for, personally speaking, than all of the intimate cat- catapult coasters, you know, King Daka, hmm. Top Little Dragster. I mean, what do, you, what do you think about that? It's a good top hat. I, I don't know. I would like for it to go faster over that top hat. I think it's shaped in a way that it really minimalizes the negative G's on the way up. So if you're in the back, you really don't get any negative G's until you're actually pulled over. Right. But it's a right. very long vehicle. It's I, I, I agree with most of what you have said so far. The top hat, though, yeah. I think the vehicle's too long for it to be my favorite top hat. Makes sense. But I mean, I've heard people say like the top hat's crazy and stuff. It's yeah, it's just an opinion for sure. Right. Of course. Uh, of course. Yeah. We're just sharing opinions. Yeah. It's, it's a good um, top yeah. hat. <laughs> it's a good, t- it's definitely a good top hat. Okay. It's not my favorite <laughs> element of the ride, as you already know. And I think we both share as I think thousands of us now that have ridden this. And again, many of us enthusiasts that have ridden it this week during previews. The element that I was the most disappointed in, but it's still fun, mind you. I just, it, and I think a lot of us think this because it just, it wasn't as good as it looked like it was going to be is you come out of that top hat. And again, you're obviously bled some speed, but you're coming down the top hats. You're getting some momentum going again. So you're going really fast at the bottom of the top hat and you next go into the zero G stall and the stall, you know, it's got some hang time, but it's so fast because the ride is going so fast at this point that the impact of the stall is not as much as you might've thought it would have been. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. The stall itself is like when you're in the middle of the stall, it's very quick. I, during stalls, I usually like to look vertically like upwards, which is looking downwards because you're upside down. This one goes really quick though. So you don't really have time to do that. But the entry and the exit to the stall is like unbelievable. So the stall is not about like the stall. It's about the fact right. that you're like whipped to one side. And then like just as your body goes back upright, you're like whipped again to the side. It's a really good element, but it does not feel like a stall like you think it will. Right. And, and you bring up a good point. I think, you know, again, I'm thinking back to my rides and I've ridden it for a few days, but coming out of that stall is fun. Yeah, it's, it's brief, but it, it's, it whips you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And then from there, you know, again, that second half of the ride is so different. And Intamin has done this with a number of their coasters. My what, what now is my number three coaster, Soaring with Dragon, is very much two coasters in one as well in a very different way that this is. But after that zero-g stall, you know, you go through a couple that kind of a two-helix portion, which is fun. You know, some good G-forces and whatnot. As I uh, said the other night, uh, the best is yet to come. That hard line roll over the lagoon, I just live for that. That That is so amazing. That hang time, it, it's just yeah, it's, incredible. it's like shocking, that roll. It's really, yeah, really good. Absolutely shocking. Buy, buy into the hype of the roll. <laughs> yes. like, it's a good <laughs> yeah we've all been talking about it so um it's, yeah. it's incredible so so uh, you know i'm sure you've of course heard the rumor as well um alicia has talked about it on her podcast uh park stop with ian the universal called that role and they still call it, it's on the shirts and on the marketing the mosasaurus role yes and apparently what what happened is that they had in their budget originally to have this giant mosasaur animatronic in the lagoon that would pop out of a lagoon vertically as each train went by but it got budget cut i'm assuming you've heard that as well yeah i heard something like that i don't know i don't remember where i heard it from it could have been alicia but yeah i have i have no idea if it was true or not or what but it would have been cool of course but right well personally because they still named it 
officially the Mosasaurus role, I have a little bit of hope that yeah. whether maybe maybe it wasn't budget cut, maybe it's sitting there in the water right now, it's just not working yet, or maybe they'll we add it. In the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never know. Universal does crazy things like that. They plus up their rides all the time. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're they very up the Jurassic World, like you know, right during COVID. So. That was good. Right. The one in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there are very, I mean, the ultimate version of plussing up in a way, there are very few parks in the world that entirely rebuild an entire Ooh. coaster. Disney's done it with uh, Space Mountain, at least in California, Disneyland. And uh, Universal did it about five years ago with Hulk. They rebuilt the whole yeah. track and that's Ooh. kind of great. You know, so maybe they will. I, I'd like to think, because you can imagine, you can imagine with that Heartline role, as amazing as it feels for me from a, a force perspective, having that visual of that Mosasaur coming out, coming to grab you. I mean, that'd be epic. So yeah, that would be yeah. really cool. So yeah, the, you know, so the, the, it's got great elements, front half, second half of the ride, great pacing. Ultimately, what made this ride my number one over Maverick, finally something Eclipse Maverick, is mm-hmm. it does what I love about Maverick. It makes me laugh. Every yeah, ride I'm laughing, sure. makes you giddy which is Maverick had been the first coaster ever that did that for me. But it, so it does that, but then it's got all these amazing forces and all this crazy airtime, both, both uh, vertical, if you will, you know, out of your seat, but traditional, like an airtime, uh, airtime, hill airtime, but also it's got your, your floater and your laterals, which, you know, like for example, RMC gives in spades. So it, it gives yeah. you some of that stuff. It gives you the, the giddiness and the, and the, you know, like, like Maverick does, you know, makes you laugh, which is great, especially in this day and age where craziness going on in the world. It's great to laugh. The pacing is awesome. It's yeah. just such a fun ride that is so enjoyable and so smooth. I, I, there's really nothing I don't like about Velocicoaster. It's so rewritable. Um, I can't wait to be getting on it all, you know, again and again as it opens to the public. So yeah, that's what I think. I mean, it's my new number one. I'm so happy to have it here in my own park and uh, the one thing I'll mention to you, Austin, because you talked about kind of kind of connecting back to the very beginning of our interview today, our conversation here at the end, you talked about Dueling Dragons being your uh, one that scares you the most and, you know, and, and so forth. And of course, you know, there's a lot of people out there that lament Dueling Dragons not being at Universal anymore. I've got friends who used to work on the ride. They're like, oh my God, I miss it so much. And, you know, debating about Hagrid's and whether or not it's better than Dueling Dragons. I think Hagrid's an amazing coaster. And I think it's a worthy replacement of Dueling Dragons. But what I think, Austin, I'm curious to get your take as a big Universal fan, is I think that Velocicoaster is as amazing as it is. And they put so much detail into it. You don't just, you know, by chance create an amazing coaster like this. It's a lot of work. I think Universal did Velocicoaster the way they did as, so to speak, an apology to those who really miss the incredible forcefulness and the, the thrillingness of, of uh, Dueling Dragons. We finally have a worthy replacement. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I also just learned um, the two raptor statues actually at the entrance of the ride before yes. you get to you know, the main entrance are actually kind of paying a tribute to the two dragons you know, looking at yes. each other at the entrance of dragons. So that's a nice little thing they put in there. Yes. You're the second person that's mentioned that. I love that homage. That's awesome. There's also a lot of other funny Easter eggs, but that's a really cool Easter egg, very meaningful Easter egg, um, you know, for this ride. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, I'm just blown away. Um, I am so excited. You know, I've got friends coming, you know, so I'm sure you do from out of state. They're going to be riding this. I've been you know, we've been talking on the phone about it. We normally just text and, you know, David and Iva are coming. And in fact, Austin, you'll love this. So David and Iva, we've been planning this trip for them coming out here for like 10 days in the fall in October. And of course, one of the things you got to plan is your tickets. 
you know, I already have my passes. They got to get tickets. And yeah. I, I was able to talk David into, does it make sense economically to go ahead and just buy a uh, annual pass for Universal? Yeah, I convinced a, a lot of people to buy annual pass. I bet. Sure. I bet. And then even Iva, she was holding out, but she finally did it. And I told him, I said, God, and this is all before Velocicoaster opened. And I told him, guys, you know, now that I've ridden it, we have our itinerary. We're going to be doing this and this, you know, first couple of days. I said, guys, we are going to islands the first day. I mean, we'll do yeah. other stuff, our main, but we'll later on the day, whatever, we'll get over there. And we are getting on Velocicoaster. You guys are going to want to go there probably yeah. every single day we're there after doing other things <laughs> and, and, you know, and experience the, the awesomeness of it. So, yeah. So anyway, so, do you have any other thoughts you want to share on Velocicoaster? Yeah, I think we covered it pretty well. All right. Yeah, I think so too. So um, I, I know the, the jury's out on where Velocicoaster is, you know, <coughs> formally in your account. We know it's in your top five. I'm sure you'll get back to us later on that. But um, the last thing I wanted to talk about here and just have you talk about is, and we've talked about on the podcast, but why don't you go ahead and kind of, again, formally go through where people can find you in both your channels and so forth on social media, on YouTube, et cetera. Go ahead and share away. Yeah. So behindthethrills.com and also on social media at Behind Thrills. And then I am always the one posting on Amusement Insider. So if you ever want to get in touch with me, if you write to Amusement Insider on anything, I'll get back to you there. So Twitter at Amusement Insider, Instagram, Amusement Insider, and then YouTube. Uh, same thing, Amusement Insider. So if you ever want to awesome. chat, just write to me. I always reply to everybody. So excellent. Yeah, that's how you and I met on back when I used to be on Twitter. And I, yeah. I remember messaging you and like we started talking. We started talking about cars and coasters and, and then you moved down here and here we are. So friends. So yeah. Um yeah. well, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Austin, for for joining us today and kind of getting a peek behind the curtain of your uh, you know, your passion for coasters and all this work you do, this amazing work with the POVs, and thanks for chatting with Velocicoaster about me, talking about Velocicoaster with me, rather, because, again, not many people have ridden it yet. Thankfully, you and I have, so we could have a good chat about it. Um, And thank you for for being brave and and watching your POV being uh, up against (laughs) the real thing, so to speak. And, again, you did a great job. It came through there. So that was a good good way to be brave in Coaster Challenge fashion. So, um, (laughs) But, again, thank you for being on. We had a great time talking and uh, have fun in the parks. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Andrew. That was a great interview. A lot of cool things about the Velocicoaster. It's making me very excited to go ride it. Yes. I gotta, get, I gotta get down to Florida. Yes, and thank you, Austin, you know, for everything you said and all the knowledge that the both of you have. Um, it sounds like Velocicoaster is probably gonna be one of the greatest roller coasters ever built so far to date in this country. From what I'm hearing, there's, there's a lot of buzz on this one. Oh, yes. Tremendous buzz. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of coaster enthusiasts I've talked to they're even saying that it's better than some of the coasters around the world so i am so looking forward to getting down there in october i can't wait to experience this ride myself oh that's right you're going in october yeah lucky you yeah uh so, so our listeners know that uh yes uh andrew iva and myself will be down in florida last two weeks of October, starting on the 20th to the 30th. Hopefully you guys will uh, catch us down there or just check us out on our social media sites on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, We always keep it up to date on where we're going to be at when we do park visits. Also, if you guys like to uh, send us some feedback, you can always send us an email at info at coasterchallengepodcast.org. If you've got a special YouTube clip that you would like JD and I to 
check out. You can also send it to that same email as well, or you can just send us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Yeah, fantastic episode. It was a great bonus one. We still got a brand new episode coming out this Friday, so make sure to check out our special guests. Coming up this Friday, we got Jack Lathrop from Thrilling Moments Photography going to be joining us. Yes, and he's a really good friend of ours, and we're looking forward to hearing that interview. So, But until then, guys, this is David Cantu. This is J.D. Prescott. And we'll see you on Friday right here on Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge.